Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up, inspiring health stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TV Media Group, but for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do if you haven't already. Hit subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications, and connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, today we are talking to Bevan Choate, and he's answering a question that I had, which is, what happens when medical professionals end up on the other side of healthcare as a patient? It's an interesting story because he's a surgeon who ended up happening to have a stroke in just his mid-30s. He's sharing that story and what's happened since. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm so excited to meet and welcome to the show, Bevan Choate, all the way from Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> but luckily we can connect because we're connecting virtually. So welcome. Nice to meet you. Thank you, Tamika. I appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> big fan of your show. So uh, thank you for having me on. So you have a fascinating story and love telling stories, especially stories around health on this show. So uh, before we kind of dive in to that, answer the question, who is Bevan Choate? So I am, uh, I'm Bevan Choate. I'm a, I'm a 37 year old um, urologist right now. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of set the scene. So back in uh, 2020, I was about two years out from a, a five-year surgical residency in urology. Um, you know, I was finally seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. I had taken a job. You know, everything was, was uh, you know, coming up aces and uh, everything looking good. And then out of the blue, I woke up one morning uh, with a massive stroke. When you woke up that morning, did you know that you were having a stroke? I didn't. Um, you know, I think, I think um, you know, in, in hindsight, you know, a few more things make sense. But really, my, my symptoms were pretty atypical for what most people would think about, you know, when they, when they hear about stroke. And, and by that, I mean that, you know, a lot of people, they would say, well, you know, did, did one side of your body go limp? Did you have trouble speaking? Um, you know, were you, were you slurring your speech or anything like that? And, and I had none of those things, you know, my big issue was, was complete loss of balance. Like when I, when I tried to get up to do my routine in the morning, I just, I just fell to the floor like a ton of bricks and, um, and the room was, was spinning. And so my initial thought was that I just had, um, kind of an inner, inner ear infection or disorder. And so, yeah, stroke was definitely not my first thought. At what point did you realize that you were having a stroke? Um, when the ER physician told me, uh, yes, in fact, you have had a stroke when they when they finally did a CT scan. And I even tried to avoid going through the CT scan initially because I was like, seriously, like, you know, don't don't waste the money on me. <laughs> it's like, right, it's like, right. come on. And uh, and and yeah, so that's that's when it really hit me. And I was just like, oh, no, you know. 
what happened after that? I mean, did you realize once I guess that kind of sunk in that, hey, I had a stroke. Did you find out potentially what caused it? What got you to that point? Yeah, uh, no. So th so it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, you just this is this is your luck. This is what's uh, you know, this is what's going on. I, you know, I, I, I exercised quite a bit, um, you know, had a pretty healthy diet, um, didn't have any really risk factors that you would think of for a stroke. And so it was just one of those things that happens to people. And, you know, so people would say it's unfair and everything. But at the same time, it just it happens. And so that's, you know, that's where I'm at. At least luckily, I mean, if you thought you had maybe like an ear infection, you went to the ER. So it's good that you did that, right? Well, that's that um, I owe all to my wife, um, who is also a, uh, a physician that uh, is a hospitalist. And she said, we need to take you to an ER. And of course, being the stubborn surgeon, I said, what are they going to say? Right. You know, and uh, she finally convinced me and made me go to the ER and you know, it was a good, ended up being a very good thing. Um, but given that, um, you know, this would, they couldn't tell me exactly when this happened. And I mean, I couldn't tell them exactly when it happened because it, because it happened presumably in my sleep. Um, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't have really mattered trying to get there fast. And, and, you know, for, for the listeners, you know, it's, you kind of have this two to three hour window. Uh, if you think you're having a stroke to, to really get there and say, look, look guys um i think i'm having a stroke so right um because it is a time you know a time sensitive issue mm -hmm. but in, in my case there was really nothing i could i could do about it at that point mm -hmm. and what were in the days weeks and months uh following some of the effects of the stroke that you noticed you know they sent me over to a different hospital and it was actually the hospital um, wherein I trained. And so everyone was like, Hey, Dr. Choate, what's going on? Yeah. Like I've seen, seeing all the, uh, you know, the old friends and everything. And, um, and so, yeah, while I was in there, um, you know, my balance was still very much off. Um, I was seeing double. So they had to put an, an eye patch over uh, my left eye, which was kind of cool. And, uh, and then, you know, so the main thing was that, it, you know, the, the type of stroke that I had, which was in my cerebellum that caused, uh, me to have really poor control of the movements of the left side of my body. So for me, mostly the, the left arm and, uh, the dizziness eventually, you know, resolved, but I still have issues with, with balance and things like that. So those are the main things I, I continue to work on to this day are really like my left sided balance and, and doing all those little fine motor movements with my left hand. Mm. And did I read that you, have about 80 percent of a brain yeah so um yeah i love i love to uh you know to if i if, if i love to bring that up if i you know You're if i screw playing up. with a full deck as Ex you mentioned yeah exactly so um you know if i make a mistake every now and then uh you know if i get to fill out some paperwork or something uh, you know I, I i do have that to fall back on you know I, so the big problem with my stroke was that the uh, the pressure just kept building up you know, in my skull and, and you're in, in, inside the skull, there's no really no room to expand. And so they, they first had to put a drain in and then that didn't work. And so they then had to remove a piece of bone from my skull to try to make a little more room that didn't work. And so they then had to remove the part of my brain that was no longer getting uh, nutrients or oxygen from the stroke. And, um, and that's, that's why, yeah, I don't have a completely hundred percent full brain anymore. <laughs> 
what should people know? Um, I, I, actually, one of our team members, um, our photographer we work with very frequently, had a stroke one day on a shoot. Um, so I learned a lot about it from him going through the experience. But um, it's one of those things, I feel like when I talk about it with people, that it seems very scary because you of the, the short window you talked about and also really seemingly having limited warning signs. Right. Yeah. So, um, no, I think for, I think for most people, you know, regular preventative medicine, which, which just means, you know, going, going to the doctor period, even, even if that's, you know, once a year, I think is, is helpful just to establish, you know, your basics. Like, do I have high blood pressure? Do I have normal blood pressure? Do I have high cholesterol? Do I have normal cholesterol and things like that? And there are mnemonics and things out there. You know, you see a lot of public service announcements and things that'll say like fast or be fast, which is which is like a mnemonic for recognizing a stroke, because I think they're really trying to tell people that, uh, you know, early recognition is important. And, you know, I guess one step further to say early prevention is, is more important. And, and that's mostly just, you know, seeing your doctor period, you know, like like checking these basic things out. So you know, like in my day, you know, there was only, uh, there was like the fast mnemonic, which is, which is more like, you know, looking at the face, looking at like facial drooping, there's the arms, you know, is, is, is one arm weak or something like that. Uh, S stands for the speech, you know, is it slurred? Is it, is it abnormal? Like, are they not making sense? And, um, and, uh, you know, there's the, the, the T, which would be like, I think they call that terrible headache or something like that. So, um, I didn't really even have a headache. I just became very nauseated. And that's that's an important thing I think people should know is that with, with increased brain swelling, people usually get this over, overwhelming sense of nausea. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, with the, you know, with the B-fast thing, which I think is newer, they incorporate B for balance and um, E for eyes. So like looking for, for changes in the eye movements and, and balance situations. Um, I think, you know, had I known that, I don't think it really would have changed anything in my case because I, I had this during sleep, but, um, you know, it probably would have made me a little, a little, um, you know, less incredulous about me, a young person having a stroke. And, mm-hmm. and, and so anyway, that's, that's what I'd say. Is it pretty common or pretty rare that someone that young has a stroke? I think it's, it's, it's very rare, but, um, you know, I've, I've since gotten involved with some stroke support communities. And uh, yeah, then, then when you're surrounded by people with, with you know, a similar situation, you feel like it's a lot more common, but it's not, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it is nice to be in, the, you know, in the company of, of people yeah. that have shared a similar experience. Absolutely. Find a community around it. How has this changed your life? Because like you said, you were, um, I guess, what going into a new residency or I know you're a surgeon. So how did that impact your, your life and your work? Um, a, a lot. And I think, I mean, it completely changed my perspective, I think on, on what it means to, you know, lead a good and fulfilling life. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, the way we're raised, is, you know, it's like, well, you got to find this, this, this good career, you know, and your career should be your calling and your, and your passion and all this stuff. And, and, it, and, and in my case, you know, it, it is, it was, but um, at the same time, you know, I wasn't really nurturing or developing those other 
parts of what it means to be, you know, a human being and to have a fulfilling life. Um, you know, having a having a, a a really good career that that motivates you and 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 keeps you going and happy is great. And and I think, you know, I, I kind of think about it's kind of like the being in the eye of the hurricane. There's a big storm around you, and you are you're in the middle of it. You know, um, chasing this goal, and the important thing to know is that you know life life is pretty much a storm. You know, life really is a hurricane, and um, I don't think there's like an escape from it. At least not not you know permanently. But there's um you just part of life is learning how to really um, live and be happy mm-hmm. in the storm. You know, like 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 while you're in the storm. And so I I think you know, kind of putting all your eggs in one basket, like a career or something like that is sort of like being in the eye of a, of a hurricane. And at some point, the, the, the storm's going to get you. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's like, a you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, now that, that my, uh, you know, career has been a little bit stripped back, or maybe, you know, maybe stripped away, I, you know, that's still yet to be seen. Um, I'm kind of like, well, who am I otherwise? And I, I'm kind of like, man, you know, I, I, there were a lot of shortcomings there. So I've since sort of changed my whole perspective. And, and now, you know, I think my career is a little less, um, it's still very important to me, but it's not, um, you know, paralyzing or anything like that to think about. Um, you know, I've, I've since have a much better relationship with my wife, my family, my friends. Um, yeah, I'm involved in stroke support communities and things like that, which has actually become you know, highly fulfilling and something I actually look forward to. So, yeah, it just kind of completely gave me a, a like a psychic shift or a perspective shift. Mm-hmm. I like what you said. Life is or part of life is being happy while you're in the storm, which resonates because I think a lot of times people are always like waiting until or wanting to get to here until they're happy or until they take that vacation or till they enjoy this moment or before they do this thing they've always wanted to do. I'll just get here. But what's true is that like, we don't know if that day will ever come or when you achieve that thing or get to that place, there will always be another thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm living proof of that. You know, it was like, okay, in medical school, all all I got to do is get this uh, urology residency. And then, and then you get that. And then all I got to do is finish the urology residency. And then you do that. And then it's like, you know, was I, was I really extremely fulfilled at that moment? Uh, yeah, maybe temporarily, but you know, not, not, uh, you know, not insanely or anything. When you're pursuing that path of medical school and then residency, et cetera, like, is it possible (laughs) to, to enjoy being in that storm? Because it's hard. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's like, I, I, I mean, I definitely did. And I think the things that I valued most were, you know, the, the people that I was in the trenches with, um, especially yeah. in, in residency, because that, that's when it got hard, you know, many mm-hmm. sleepless nights and, and, uh, you know, very hard work, but, um, and so, but yeah, maybe I could have done a better job of, you know, really appreciating those moments, you know, more than I did. Um, but yeah, you know, so I, th- I think it's possible. It just has to be done in a different way. It can't be, um, you know, maybe more more uh, mainstream methods. I think you have to kind of find find your own path within. So let's talk about the stroke artist. This is a memoir. I know we I called it a book earlier. So yeah, it's a, technically it's a memoir, um, and. Uh, yeah, it all it all started as just a result of kind of wanting to do a um, 
some rehab on my left hand, you know, my, my, my co-resident, um, one of the people that I was in the trenches with said, you need to write all these stories down and, you know, things that you've done, um, and happened to you as a result of the stroke. Cause you know, he said a lot of them are really funny. A lot of them, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going to want to remember at some point. And I said, well, I don't know. And he, so he said, just do it. And I said, well, I'll, I'll do it. Um, I'll do it just to see if I can rehab my left hand, you know, cause I, I, I need to relearn how to type because, because the stroke, uh, you know, didn't allow me to type at one point I couldn't even hold my phone to text. And so I had to, you know, I said, fine, I, you know, I'll do it. And, um, so I started writing things down, you know, um, things about the, the stroke, my hospitalization, you know, after a few paragraphs, a few pages, like I kind of thought, well, this is, this may actually be something, you know, this, this may actually be able to help other people, you know, that are going through a stroke or even just like a, you know, a major medical catastrophe. Right. Um, because I do think there's, there's, you know, some, a unique perspective in the sense that, um, you know, it's a, it's a doctor turned patient or a doctor turned stroke survivor. You know, we all, a lot of times we hear about the patients, but we're not, you know, we're not hearing it from both sides of the story, like simultaneously. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it, it kind of took on a life of its own. And I thought, you know, I, I may actually be able to do some good with this. And, um, and so then I just, you know, it was like every day, just writing, writing, writing. And, um, you know, I finally had a manuscript. So I, I searched around and I, and I finally got a, you know, a real book publisher and, uh, you That's know, amazing. yeah, next thing you knew, it's just all of a sudden it's, it's out, you know, seven months later, of course, but you know, that's, that's how it works. Hey, I'd say that's a pretty good timeline though. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, it, it kind of became this thing for me. And I think, I think through that, you know, I, I recognized that, um, you know, I, I need to start practicing what I'm, what I'm preaching here. And, um, so I got involved with, with stroke communities and things like that. And, um, and it's, it's just been such a blessing. So, so helpful and, and fun and something I look forward to. Well, give us some insight into what we learn, read in the book. I'm, I'm hoping to try to convey, you know, what, what's going on, what's going on in my mind, you know, as the patient, like, you know, what, what is like, what are the stressors and fears that I'm, that I'm immediately facing right now? And then, and then it's kind of like, well, what would I do in this situation? And, you know, in some cases I know the answer in some cases I don't. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then it's like, well, what, what is this doctor thinking and, and what are their motivations for, you know, offering this test or this surgery or whatever. And so it's, it's kind of a, it's unique in that you're seeing, you're seeing both sides of the coin simultaneously. Um, but I think the, the, the best, um, you know, feedback I've, I've gotten on the book has been when I was, so as you can imagine, you know, with, with these two major surgeries, I was, uh, they had me on a ventilator for 26 days. And, uh, and, and so I was sedated, wow. I was sedated for like, you know, essentially a month. Oh, and, uh, you know, I, I lived in this completely different reality for about a month. And it was like, you know, it was like dreams, I guess you could say, but but very vivid and just like very real. Like I didn't know the difference that it was a dream or not, you know, because I was under sedation. And by definition, you can't wait, you know, you just can't wake up from sedation. And so I lived in this complete alternate reality and some pretty wild things uh, happened to me and I faced some pretty serious challenges. Um, But um, uh, that was very interesting. in like when you were in sedation like what's one example 
I had let, I had gotten out of the hospital and just left um, against medical advice, and and I thought this was was completely real, you know, real as paying taxes or something, and I got picked up by a police officer, who, probably based on the way I looked with head bandages and everything else, sent me to um, a psychiatric ward, and uh, and there I was, you know, I was I was in a psychiatric ward, and um, a woman came and bribed the police officers to release me. And it turns out that she was the head of a, of a drug cartel in, in New Mexico and, and West Texas. And she kind of, I wouldn't say hired, but she sort of coerced me into working for, for her dealing, uh, you know, drugs and marijuana and everything as legally as a, as a physician. And, um, and then the, the story kind of unravels from there. So it, it became, it was very uh, scary, frightening, intense. And, um, and it just seemed 100% real to me because it was, um, I mean, I couldn't wake up by definition, you know, I was under sedation. And, and so very, so very strange. thought this was all happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when I woke up, there were two or three days where, you know, I was asking my wife these questions like, is, uh, is my dog still alive? Is my, you know, is my, you know, all these things. And she said, yeah, why, you know, what do you, you know, and, and, and I was, it was me trying to get a sense of if those things actually mm. had happened or not. And, um, because I, I still didn't know, you know, and so it was, it was very weird. It took me probably three or four days before I actually realized that none of that had happened. Oh my goodness. Do they tell you this going into it? No, no, not at all. And I, I've never really heard of any, anyone saying that before, like any other patients or anything, but, um, but, but again, most people aren't, aren't, you know, probably aren't under sedation, um, during COVID long? on a ventilator. Yeah. For a month. So. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. So, okay. So you're kind of going back through all of this and talking about this in your book. Mm -hmm. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. And then where does the, um, the artwork, cause I know you sell your acrylic palette knife paintings where does that come in in this is that something you've always been doing yeah well so i not not for a super long time i, I started doing that um as a as a hobby or, or kind of a passion uh, maybe like a month before covid really got really got you know seated in and uh, and then i had the stroke and everything but but after you know after the stroke well I, we, my wife and i went to um dallas to do recovery um in kind of a more comprehensive center and we were living with family. And so, yeah, after, after therapy all day, I had nothing to do. And I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a guy that's used to working 12, you know, 14 hour days. And all of a sudden I have all this time on my hands. And so I just started painting like, you know, furiously because I was just, it was something I could do and I could still do it with my, with my right hand. And so it was something I continued to do. And it gave me like a huge sense of validation, you know, like, mm -hmm. like right after the stroke, I mean, I, I could barely walk. Um, you know, I was walking around with a walker and things were pretty hard for me because I went from being, you know, a surgeon uh, to just kind of a, a guy going through rehab. And so I think it was validating that I still had a skill that I could pursue and, and I wouldn't say make money on, but, but, you know, at least make enough money to, to pay for my hobby. And so, so I kept, right. uh, I kept at that. And then, you know, I kind of created a little, a little business around, um, you know, selling paintings and, uh, it just kind of took off from there. And, 
and uh, something I still love and continue to do. I love that. And I'm guessing you, now that you have your business, I saw the website looks great. You're still able to um, fund your hobby. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think anyone tells you you're, you're going to get, you're going to get, uh, you know, rich painting, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's that, that's, what's important is that I love to do it and I, and I I can, I can continue doing it. And so, yeah, it's a great thing. And I, I still do it basically every day. Wow. Yeah. Now, do you, do you talk about your art in the book? I do. Yeah. I just kind of describe, um, what it does for me in this, mm. in the sense, like, like in, in kind of a therapeutic sense and, and that sort of thing. And, and just kind of the fact that it was incredibly validating that I could do something while I, while I literally couldn't do most things. And, and so, and, and, and yeah, it ties into the, the title of the book. Um, yeah, just, you know, sort of a, um, a pun on a choke artist is cause it's like, I was almost there. And then, uh, uh, you know, then, then this big thing happened and then it's like, or at least, you know, that fallacy of thinking, you know, the happy ending fallacy where you're like, yeah, it's, you know, the, the happily ever after, you know, and you finally get there and then something, something, uh, totally mm-hmm. changes. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, artist in the sense that, um, I technically am one. <laughs> Absolutely. I like here that you shared um, what's on the back cover of the book, which the first line is, have you ever wondered what your doctors do when they get sick? And that stood out to me because I've had a few doctors on this show. Uh, one of my favorites who I followed for a long time after I went through some autoimmune issues was um, someone who was literally dying of lupus, ended up going to medical school Um and is now a doctor but she treats autoimmune disease um all through plant-based eating and nutrition um and she reversed her own lupus after they said she would never get married have kids or survive and 16 years is totally lupus free and has done the same for like thousands of other autoimmune patients um so i loved my podcast episode with her i also found her because of the content that she creates but what i loved so much is that personal connection and getting to know hey you were the patient and also the doctor (laughs) um and the fact that you called that out is very much like sometimes hey our doctors seem superhuman right but like your people too who things happen to and kind of like when appropriate, knowing what those things are helps like bring down those walls and barriers and connect us in a way. Um, <laughs> and also let us know that you're human and you see us as humans too, um, which I think can be missing a lot of times in the, in the medical profession. So I guess my question to you is being on that other side, um, was there anything that really surprised you? You know, like there's some really funny situations where um, mostly involving nudity where we're like, uh, you know, people have to watch you shower and, uh, you know, people have to watch you pee and all these weird things. And you're like, geez, could I just get a little bit of modesty here? Um, But, uh, you know, and there are things like, you know, when I was on the other side, it was like, you know, hey, I'm I'm just I'm extremely busy, like, and, and I and I see this all the time, so it doesn't affect me. But at the same time, I'm not thinking how it might affect them. And you know, I mean, we do 
we do certain things that like, you know, we, we knock on doors and we do things like that, you know, but it's like, you know, really like, um, are you really paying attention to maybe how they're feeling? And so I think it just, it just kind of opened my mind more to, um, the, like really empathy is one thing and, and we are kind of, you know, we're taught that, but we're also, we're also human. So we know that, like, I mean, we're, you know, um, but there's a whole nother level and, and, and you got to recognize your blind spots and, and the stuff that you're not, maybe not paying attention to anymore because things that seem so, you know, mundane or routine for you, you know, aren't necessarily for this, this patient who's probably undergoing this thing for the first time. My, uh, urology resident thought it was so hilarious that, um, you know, I, I had to, had to be catheterized with a, you know, a urethral catheter when, you know, between him and I, we've probably placed, you know, 200,000 of those things. And, uh, but then I had to receive one and it was like being on the receiving end was so much worse. And so now <laughs> I can, I can actually tell people like, Hey, this is what it feels like. Um, whereas before I just, I didn't really know, you know, I just kind of, this is what most people do, but I don't know. I've always been kind of detail oriented, but now I'm, I'm much more detail oriented when it comes to, uh, empathy and like the things that, that are really probably important to people and things that, that a lot of us probably overlook because they've become routine to us. And uh, right. that's not the way to be. And, and, you know, I think, um, so yeah, uh, big time this, this has changed my perspective and, and I think it's, it's made me a much better physician. Mm, yeah. I was going to ask, how are you today? How are you feeling today? How is life and work today? So I'm, I'm feeling great today. Uh, a little tired, but that's, that's my usual. I'm back in the clinic right now. I'm, I'm, I'm doing um, clinical urology, but um, I still haven't gotten the green light to go back to the operating room. And, and, you know, personally, I think I can do those things, or at least most of them. I may, I maybe it may not be able to do you know, all of the big major, you know, cancer cases and things that I once did, but I, I think I could do, you know, 90% of, of the, the urology that I used to practice. So, um, so we'll see, that's still kind of a, a process and evolution, but um, glad to be back in the clinic and, and seeing people again. Awesome. I always like to ask a health tip, um, something that you do or you practice in your everyday life or on a regular basis, something that you'd say helps you show up as your best self, um, or helps you feel the best each day. Hmm. Um, so since the, since the stroke, I've completely cut out, um, alcohol, uh, because it makes me, uh, it worsens the, the unbalanced, you know, the alcohol cuts, it, it affects your cerebellum. Mm. Um, that's why, you know, that's why they you get all wobbly if you have too many drinks. Mm -hmm. So I completely cut that out, um, like, like, you know, entirely. And it's, it's made me feel amazing. Like I lost 20 pounds. Um, wow. so I lost 40 pounds from the stroke, you know, and then, <laughs> and mm -hmm. then, and then, and then eventually gained it all back plus a lot more because I, you know, I'm not able to do the same exact, mm -hmm. you know, physical activity that right. I was doing before. But yeah, you know, certainly cutting that out just just helped. I think I just cut out a lot of carbs. I, you know, it, it made me um, think more clearly, um, sleep a lot better, and um, and yeah, I, I don't know. And I also, I 
I do a lot of like plant-based smoothies and stuff in the, in the morning. And that, that usually makes me feel really good in, yeah. in the morning. And it, they give you great energy. I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't ask you? Uh, no, just, uh, just where to, where to find the book. I, of it's course. on, uh, that was yeah, it's on, um, yeah, the, so it's called The Stroke Artist, and it's on Amazon and, and Barnes and & Nobles. But um, you can also kind of look at, at my book and, and paintings on my on my website, which is currently thestrokeartist, all one word, dot myshopify.com. Awesome. Yep, and I'll make sure we link to all those um, links down below. Um, I didn't see, do you have social media? <laughs> I do, yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know um, if you have a place so, where you want people to connect with you and find you on social as well. Sort of, right? Yeah, so so I have a, um, it's uh, at Bevan Choate um, on Instagram. Sounds good. And then lastly, I will ask, um, because I know your story so much about going through what may seem like an insurmountable challenge if somebody else finds themselves, whether it's a, a stroke or something else, um, a major life-changing event, um, what would you say, words of advice or encouragement um, when faced with a storm? So be patient with yourself. Um, and, you know, we, we, he, I think human beings are very linear people. You know, we want to see this constant increase, this constant rise. But um, when you're dealing with things like stroke or uh, maybe going through a major um, medical event or surgery and things like that, the um, you know it's it's a step ladder. It's not it's not a, a straight uphill climb to the top. It's it's yeah. you know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make a little improvements and then you're gonna ride along maybe for several several months uh, maybe even a year of just of no improvement in your mind and then you'll go up to the next rung and then you you keep going so it's it's kind of a step ladder and i think um uh keeping a journal is a pretty good way to to actually have something you can look back on and see the progress that you've actually made because a lot i mean shoot if i don't do that i'm just like it never happened you know like i don't remember yeah. it and and that's 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 wrong so i think i think um you know uh, journaling or or whatever it is whatever you know um yeah. is is helpful in that regard to actually show you hey this is actually where i started out this is mm -hmm. how i was feeling this is what i was doing and now look at me you know absolutely um, yeah yeah i think of that too um and i i think i do that a lot too with video content one having been a, a television journalist and having a ton of content from the beginning of my career but even from having these kinds of conversations um we're over podcast 100 i've been doing this over two years um and then other sources of content like i kind of see this in a way like a video journal and being able you like you can look back and even see see the growth or just see hey what my mindset was back then and how that has evolved and changed along the way. So sometimes I do that. Um, and it's nice to have like that video journal, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, so yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been really great. Well, I'll make sure to link to the Instagram, the um, artwork website that you uh, shared with us, as well as where to find the book down below so people can find that, connect with you. Um, and all the good things. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. You're awesome. And keep inspiring.
All right, being, all right. And being that empathetic doctor. I appreciate that. <laughs> will do, will do. Yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. One of my biggest takeaways from that interview with Bevan was when he said, life is being happy while you're in the storm. I couldn't agree more. Great takeaway. Also loved what he said about empathy and that we could all use more of it, which is so, so true, especially in the healthcare field, but really applies to all of us. Great message. Make sure you go ahead, check out his book, check out his website where he has his artwork linked as well. All of that is down below in the show notes. So connect with him and hey, also connect with me if you haven't already. I don't know why not. I'm all of the places. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn is where I'd love to see you. And also, hey, YouTube where you can go ahead and subscribe, turn on notifications, because you know what? We come back every other week with new episodes, and I'd hate for you to miss out. So until I see you back in two weeks, stay happy, stay healthy.